Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Fried Dates with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. All right, before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you to be considered for my Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind by completing an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. So this mastermind is not like any mastermind you may have been to or heard of, I promise you. This mastermind is for six to seven figure entrepreneurs that are working too damn much and aren't taking the time to have amazing experiences around the world with an incredible tribe of people. So every 100 days or so, I drop you into new experiences that are specifically designed to elevate your thinking, to give you new ideas. Look, you get your best ideas not staring at a computer. And actually, this is the way high-level people really collaborate with each other. They do it over a glass of champagne, watching the sunset in the south of France. So if you are ready to do some fun stuff around the world and really, really want to level up your tribe in one shot, fill out an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. We'll jump on a call and we'll see if it's a good fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Well, Meg, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. This can is you, great. Can you believe that we have done probably 200 podcasts in this feed and you are the first ever Friday guest? We have never had a Friday guest oh. and you are it. And you I have know- to be super bonkers and wacko to be the first guest. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. Look, look at my husband hogging the microphone. It is a, uh, it is a prerequisite. So, um, okay, Kim, good. Well, then Kim, I win. You win. Kim, I'm going to yeah. have you. What we're going to do is we're probably going to attack you slowly if that's okay. <laughs> or very quickly, yes. one way or another. And we have, oh, yeah. um, we have some. Uh, some thoughts and some questions from the audience um, about all kinds of different things. So, you know, this can go down a lot of rabbit holes, but I have a feeling that what's going to happen is some general themes are going to emerge with your answers. So I'm going to let, uh, I'm going to let Kim start it off. Yeah. So for those that don't know, Meg and I played soccer together in high school so many, many years ago. And over the years, I've watched her um, develop into this badass behavior counselor. Yeah. Like she is amazing because her approaches are love-based instead of fear-based. And we're going to get into that with her today. But just a, a quick background of why I'm so actually invested in the work that Meg does is when we, you know, many our, our audience knows we lived in Atlanta. We did four months in Europe. We moved to California. We landed here about a year ago this week. And Sophia had a really difficult time kind of acclimating into a new state, into a new school, and into she was in Montessori for, before, and she went into public school. It's very different in the way it operates. She was the new girl. Like there was a lot of life change that went on, 
In our first couple of weeks here, I think we had to write like five I'm sorry cards for various things that she stepped on kids' hands or shoved a kid or- She ate a kid once. She ate once ate a kid. You know, different things or just kind of being sassy to the teacher or whatever. And I reached out, Meg knows it. You were the set. I remember. Um, So (laughs) I I reached out to Meg and I was like, Meg, help, (laughs) help. What do I do? And Meg said something. She goes, well, most behavior like this is either the lack of skill or an unmet need, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to figure it out. And Meg has an entire YouTube channel. I will link to it in the show notes. I basically spent two weeks going through every single video that she has and trying to implement it into our life. And things got so much better. Um, We actually, Meg, you'd be so proud. The teacher had suggested a behavior chart. And we'll talk about that too, why Meg just vomited (laughs) um, when I said that. And because Meg has shared with me why behavior charts and things like that are not effective and good for your child, I said no. And I said, I'm going to take a couple of weeks. I'm going to work with her. Give me some time and let me know if things get better. And a month later, the teacher was like, I don't know what you're doing, but it's working. And I sent her a big, long email about everything I was doing. So that's why I'm so invested in bringing this to our audience today. Because I also think kids are in a position right now where there's a pandemic, there's things going on, their family is stressed, maybe finances are hard, maybe jobs are lost, maybe parents are working from home, kids are working from home. There's all of that. And I think this is needed now more than ever. So my first question, Meg, is can you explain about just general behavior issues and what I mentioned with you know there being a lack of skill or an unmet need? Can you kind of elaborate on that for us? Sure. So 98% of the time, a challenging behavior is a lack of skill or an unmet need. And then we have to use our two best friends of time and patience. The hard thing is, is people want behavior, especially if they're hurting, right? Because hurting gets you kicked out of school, gets letters home, gets emails home, gets calls home. So hurting is the one that I get the most. The one I get second most is the uh, kids that swear or they're sassy or they get mad and say they're going to kill themselves. I get that one. I get um, throwing stuff, uh, not hurting people, but throwing chairs. And so they want those behaviors to stop right now. Right, I'm working with a teacher right now that says, the principal says, my little buddy's not allowed to swear it's a non-negotiable. Well, you can't make kids eat, sleep, go to the bathroom and talk. That's true. Right? Those are the four things you can't control in another human being. And I was like, so when he says it's non-negotiable, what does he plan? He means, I want it to stop right now. So we need to think of fun. uh, um, We go to fun, fast, and easy strategies. We're going to make something teachers, right? I was a teacher for 10 years. So we like to make stuff and laminate it and get construction paper and stickers and sparkles and put it on our wall. But A kid's behavior can't be a decoration, right? I just shared that on Instagram. It can't be a decoration. But we need it to stop right this minute. Well, we can't because kids don't learn skills right this minute. We don't, they need to have needs met. And that takes a long time. So the one strategy that works 90% of the time is one I would never suggest, but it is the fastest strategy. It is hitting. 
Oh yeah. You can hit right? a kid back. Yeah. Right. If you hit a kid, they are scared of you and 90% will, it'll fix it like that. 90%. But that's so, a fear. Stop talking. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming that you're putting fixing in quotes, right? So yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Cause we are gardeners, not mechanics. So we don't see kids as broken. We see them as right. We're planting seeds and then we have to wait time and patience and do right. And what, how does a plant grow? You give it what it needs to grow, right? You give photosynthesis and water and sunlight. And um, so we can't do the hitting or the corporal punishment. We have to move from that. So then people think, okay, so physical wellness is off the table. We have to make sure kids are physically safe. So then we attack emotional wellness. So if you ask kids about all these behavior charts, and I'm so happy you said no to the teacher, um, it takes a, somebody who knows and then has research to back it up or someone to talk to to say like, what language do I use? To say this is absolutely not happening. My son goes to private school because the school system in our district uses behavior charts. And I was like, oh man. So now I went from free education to $8,000 a year of education for third yeah. grade. Yeah. Because I refuse to use that stuff. But they don't, that's what they learn in school though, Kim. And yeah. Rob, that's what they learn in school. And the teachers, teachers learn that are in learning school. that in school. So, so you have a kid, right? And like, there's all spectrums. Sophia is um, an, an average kid. And there's um, all of these kids are average kids, right? They're all average kids that are just going to school. They're hitting or they're sassy or they're this or they're that. How do you, my biggest thing when I started down this journey was, how do you know what need is not being met? Like if, so let's start with needs. What need is not being met? How do you even begin to determine that? Because like you said, parents want instant gratification. Yeah. They want, they want. I'm going to do a sticker chart. I'm going to do tickets in a jar. I'm going to do all of these reward type strategies, which I am completely guilty of. And I'm guilty of it too, and I know not to do it. Right, and so- but how do you how do you start? It's a long process to figure out what need is not being met because no parent wants to think they're not meeting a child's need, right? No, right. So how do you start that process? So right now I have a master's class doing this process. So people are like, so, okay, so I can't use fear. So I can't use any of those sticker charts, um, timeouts is one, uh, clip down systems, any of the tokens, pipe cleaners, beads, gems, Anything. Stickers, any of those things are out. So then they're like, so where do, where do I go to pick? So where we have to start first is ourselves. And I know, um, Kim, you've done a lot with love languages. So, right, like, so I know my love language. Yep. Human behavior dictates that we love others the way we need it, not the way they need it. So the first thing we do is, what are we doing with ourselves? What We have to do a lot of self-reflection and what pieces are we not meeting because sometimes we don't even know. Then, so after we answer the who am I question, we answer who is this child? So sometimes it's hard at home or hard at school because it's a mismatch of temperament. Do you know how many kids I overwhelmed in the 10 years I taught? The slower paced kids. I was like, let's go, let's race, woo! And they were like, <laughs> like oh, eyes wide open like what is happening so then we enter relationships they should be empowering that's a need 
Then we look at the four aspects of the environment, right? Okay, so so relate so just can you list the needs for me? Or is there uh, so many that we can't really? No, there's so many that you can't. Okay, so but the core needs that a parent should start looking at is like how how am I interacting with this child? Am mm-hmm. I do we have a mismatched temperament? Am I treating them or giving them love by my love language versus theirs? Their love language, right? Okay. And then what was the next one you were going to? Okay. So then what what kind of environment do I have? What needs mm-hmm. are being met in the environment? So okay. is it is there a need for quiet and calm? Is there a need for fidgeting and movement? Is there a need for helping others and being in pairs? Right? Mm-hmm. So I work best with a partner because I think out loud. So if I think out loud by myself, that's like I you. to bounce it off of. Yeah, that's like you. He he he's an external processor. So we talk yes, right. things through. That's I'm internal. Idea. So when you assign me a partner, I'm like, I don't want to explain it to them. <laughs> you yeah, know? Right. Exactly. So okay. So let me give you some instances, right? Maybe it will be easy to kind of go through this because I have I put some questions out into mm-hmm. uh, different forums to get some uh, response and questions for you. So how let's see, we're here's a good one. Kids that need to always go first, be chosen first. Mm-hmm. And if they are not chosen or go for first, they shut down. Yeah. Or, How freak, do you, out. or freak out. Like, so is that a lack of skill or is yeah. that an unmet need or is a need being too met? <laughs> like, are they getting too, too much attention? Like they're the only child and then they go into a, a, a conference of many. So they are a, uh, it's a temperament piece. So it's, the second one I said, the who is this child? So who is this child? They are a strong, I, I bet this child is strong-willed, dominant, determined, which is awesome at 25. Yeah. Really hard at four. Yeah. <laughs> because they want what they want right now. Yeah. So the lack of skill is substitution and delay gratification. They don't know how to do those things. They don't know how to delay gratification. They want it right now, right? I want to be first now. Mm-hmm. They are probably egocentric. We're egocentric to we're six years old. And we know some people that don't grow out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that egocentrism, right? They stay in there. Um, and then their need is they want it to be fast. And so how do we slow that down? And it's not, again, how, what behavior chart do you make for that? There's no behavior chart for that. No. So what do you do? Like, how do you teach them those skills? So when... So delayed gratification is, it's going to start really small. So when at home, if this kid is right, one of two kids in the house, there's two parents, someone could probably help the kid right away. There are some kids that are external in anger. So they are outside their bodies with anger, not inside their heads. And it doesn't look good and they tantrum. So the parents help them right away. We have to start having a pause, say, oh, but I'll get to that one minute, but I need to finish washing the dishes where the parents used to stop washing the dishes and just help. Okay. And then when they get really big in emotion, now you have to teach them what to do when they get big with emotion. And we start with happy, sad, mad, and afraid. Okay, so, you're so mad, I get it. Yeah. You can't be mad like that. So that's a whole nother piece. So it's not easy. It's not, and this is the part where I think parents that truly want to fix 
the the core root of it instead mm-hmm. of just sticker charting it and yeah. having this constant fight. This is a thing because when I went through all of your YouTube videos, I sat down with Sophia and we talked about happy, sad, mad, jealous, like all of those things. And what I found is when she's fearful of something, it comes out as anger because she doesn't know what to do with that emotion. Mm. And she doesn't know how to handle that emotion. And so- Fear's the hardest. Fear is the hardest. So like there was a little girl on the playground that was kind of taunting her to do the monkey bars and she was little and she's, I mean, she's three feet tall like me, you know, and she's a little thing. <laughs> so she's scared. It's so high for her. And instead of knowing what to do, she, the girl kept taunting, do it, just do it, just do it. And so Sophia finally pushed her because she was getting in her space. Yeah. And so we talked about it and I said, okay, what were you feeling in that moment when you did that? She was like, angry at her. I said, but before that, she was like, I was scared. I'm like, so we were able to back it up and say, you were scared. And so what, here's something you could have done. Here's a different strategy. Mm -hmm. And I gave her a different strategy. But if I didn't sit down and talk to her about all of those emotions and different instances and where they led to, I would have never figured this out with her to be able to provide the skill, like you said. And the sticker wouldn't have done it. And the sticker doesn't do it. Like giving her a sticker because she was good at recess the whole time is not going to be the catalyst of change, <laughs> right? As much as know, we want it to. And you have to know that her, right? So now that she's out of the, I pushed her and I'm in trouble. So now she's in the processing stage. She could be logical with you. Oh, yeah. that's what I'm going to do next time. And no, next time she's probably not going to do it. No. Because- she goes right to emotion. And when you go to emotion, you can't be emotional and logical at the same time. Okay. So one other thing that you taught me, I think, I think it was you, um, was when they do something with their hands, shove, Mm -hmm. you need to give them something else to substitute and do with their hands. Yeah. Don't trade. Don't. So it's hands, feet, and mouth. Can you explain that? You can't have her take a deep breath because it that won't come natural to her. And it's hard to form a habit when you've switched body parts. Right. Do you remember me talking to you about that? So like, if you have a child that kicks, teach them to stomp their feet. Yeah. Stomp their feet, walk away, kick something else. But then you have to have the child, right. That to kick something else, you probably have to go find it. Yeah. Right. So a lot of people are like, I teach them to punch pillows. They said, but no, that's great. But then they have to find a pillow. Yeah. So what do we do with that space in between? I want to hit this kid. Yeah. <laughs> punch his face. But yeah. now I'm going to punch a pillow. So then, right? So I have kids, oh, you're so mad and you want to punch. Start singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, go look for a pillow. Like, yeah. do the Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star in your head. Sing the ABCs. Sing your favorite song till you get to the pillow. That's good. So, yeah. Okay. So the first question somebody had was about big emotions, hitting, words, kicking. So if someone is shoving, find something to do with your hands. Like I have Sophia do this. I'm like, when you go to do this, do this. (laughs) I put them under my armpits. Like put them them under your armpits, sit on them, grab your own hand, do something Mm -hmm. different. If it's words, that's where the take a deep breath can happen, right? Or what else? Or you substitute bad words for, I had a little girl that she used to say the S word. And then I taught her to say sassafras. Well, sassafras has two swear words in it. Oh. But she can't hear it. <laughs> yeah. So she chose sassafras because she didn't get in trouble for sassafras, but she also thought she was still swearing. 
Oh, that's really funny. Okay. Yeah, it was really funny. And she so, was like five, so she couldn't even spell it. She just heard it in her head. She just heard it and she loved it. Okay, so that handles um, the big emotions. But the bigger thing with kids that have bigger emotions is sitting down and talking to them about what does it feel like in your body when you're happy? What does it mm. feel like when you're angry? Because draw I- their, Draw like a um, crime scene? Put them yeah. on a butcher, piece of butcher paper and draw them. Oh, and that's like, interesting. And a visual too. Oh, that's interesting. Draw them out and give them a visual because it's, I noticed with Sophia, I was like, how do you feel when you feel nervous? My tummy starts to hurt. How do you right. feel when you feel um, fearful I or, or whatever? How do you feel when you feel angry? Oh, I have angry bubbles. And so I'll look at her and I'm like, I see the angry bubbles. What do we have to do to stop it? And she's like, okay. Like it's a, it's a trigger for her now mm-hmm. that we have this communication open. It makes it easier. Um, okay, so... Those are a couple. So how do you handle jealousy? I know I've reached out to you with this one. So Mm -hmm. God help Rob if he's doing a play date and a little girl comes over and says, can you tie my shoe? Sophia will come and sit on him like she's a great Dane, you know? (laughs) She'll she'll pee on me too, yeah. So so what do we do with jealousy? So jealousy at uh, under the age of six, jealousy looks like mad. Because they, uh, jealousy is the combination of mad, sad, and afraid. I'm mad or sad that girl is playing with my dad and afraid he won't come and play with me again. Got it. So if she doesn't know mad, sad, and afraid, then jealousy is hard for her to understand. Jealousy is actually an, uh, uh, one that is learned best at 12. Okay. So what do you do at six though? Like I did, I had one mom that, you know, has the second kid or has two boys and there's a lot of jealousy going on. We have Sophia, a lot of jealousy. Like, I I don't think I can do this until 12. (laughs) So what do we, (laughs) what do we do now to help her ease the, the jealousy up? Like, does she need to identify it or is that an unmet skill or I mean, a, a lack of skill or an unmet need? So when she, has anybody asked her, when you see another little girl with daddy and he's tying her shoe, what are you thinking in your head? And I want her to say, like, even if it's bad words, even if, like, I want to hit that girl in the face because that's my dad. That's pretty much just probably it, right? (laughs) And then you say, huh, I'm wondering if you think that he shouldn't help anybody else because we talk about helping a lot. So... What if daddy said, no, I can't tie your shoe? Now you kind of look like you have a mean daddy because he won't tie another little girl's shoe. So, so I wonder reframing. what we could do. And she's old enough yeah. to put it in her court. Like when you see daddy with another little girl and you think these things, what's one thing we could do to make it better? So I would say, slow it down. Don't rainbow around. Don't go to like the next time, Rob, you're tying another little girl's shoe. She's going to figure it all out and she's going to do it right? What can I do to get to here? Like three millimeters in the right direction. So it might just be, I'm gonna go and hold my daddy's hand instead of sitting on him, right? That's better. I still have to touch him. And then you say, oh, so you just want that little girl to know that's my daddy and he rocks. So don't get too used to him tying your shoe. That's what you want to say. You take him slowly across the emotional scale. Slowly, we can, there's not one strategy that I could teach you that is gonna 
make her rainbow all the way to the end where she's okay with sharing you. And you don't want her to be okay with sharing you all the time, right? I mean, like, there are things sharing is hard for kids anyway, right? We teach turn-taking. Except when it comes to parents, turn-taking is hard and sharing your parent is hard. My son to this day doesn't like me to hold babies and he's eight years old. I am his girl and it, there is no sharing me and he still has a hard time with it. But because we're getting, right? We primarily started, fear, yeah. You know, we're getting there. And so this takes a long time, but that's a fear-based. So jealousy, like should it's mad, sad, afraid. It's all of those things. It's a mixed emotion, yeah. It's a mixed emotion. Have you ever heard the term vagal breaking? Yes, but I don't know what it is. So it's interesting. I did an interview recently. A lot of what you're talking about is sort of like circling back to this in my mind. And I want to ask, I'll, I'll explain it and then I'll ask, uh, I'll ask you a question. Okay. There's a nerve inside the central nervous system. It's a cranial nerve called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is the one that is, it's sort of the opposite of fight or flight. It's rest and digest. It's the one mm-hmm. that chills you out when you're meditating, et cetera. It's also a self-soothing nerve. And um, during, during a lot of this pandemic, I'm claustrophobic by nature. And a lot, of this, a lot of this pandemic stuff brought up a lot of issues for me of feeling trapped. And one of the guys I had on my podcast, when I was sharing that with him, he said, well, my, my guess is that you probably were raised with parents that were not really good at soothing you when you were a kid and you were emotional. I said, no, it was quite the opposite. Um, my dad was abusive to me. He said, that's typically what we see. And I said, why? Mm-hmm. He said, because kids have to learn how to self-soothe and parents are the ones that teach them. So when they fall and they get hurt, they give them a hug and they say, it's gonna be okay. And they learn that you know it's not the end of the world and that it's gonna be fine. And so my question for you is, where is that line of overparenting? Where, you know, every time they, you know, they, they, they skin their skin, their knee or bump into something or get their feelings hurt that you give them a big hug to let them know it's going to be okay. And versus handicapping them because you're doing it too often. So a lot of this stuff happened. You have to, again, start with yourself. So we do things to kids, including the sticker charts and all that stuff that is that we forget kids have emotions. So I see a child fall down the stairs and the teacher picks them up and says, you're okay, you're okay. And just like, but they're crying hysterically. And I'm like, I don't think they're okay. They're crying. Yeah. Um, or the, the teacher has held them for the whole day because they fell at like nine in the morning. So we have to look at what, if we fell down the stairs, how do we want someone to take care of us? We talk to ourselves probably worse than I would talk to anybody, right? So, but then people will say, oh, well, I I don't want to be coddled and I don't, I just want you to like walk away from me. But then they have to do the work of, do you really want that? Or is that something that you were taught in childhood, right? Is that because if you cried, you were abused or if you cried, they thought you were a wimp or a wuss or too emotional, So there has to be a lot of work done with the parents. That's why I always start with yourself. So you know, Rob, that now at least that your dad was abusive. So your reactions are because of that growing up. Not a lot of people know that. I still work with parents who hit their kids. Still spank them. And I was like, oh, we're going to try to change that. 
Well, you know, you cleared up the spanking thing for me because the reason why spanking has been around since the beginning of time is because it works. Again, yeah, yeah. In, in quotes, it stops the behavior that you want stopped. The problem yeah. is that there's there's an effect. Yeah, yeah, they're scared of you, and there's there's all there's all kinds of facts. So let's since you brought that up, let's let's go there. What what is the what does the research show? Because I'm sure that you know there are parents that are listening to this who are you know on all shades of gray in this. I they see it. They're like just pop them in the butt. Pop them in the butt all the way yeah. to you know kids. Smack them right upside the head. I get that. A yeah, lot. all the way to kids that don't like you know don't uh, like I I could remember that. To this day, if I see a belt hanger, it still freaks me out because every time I got in trouble, my dad would go into the closet, pull the belt off. And when I when I I could see the wooden belt in my the wooden holder for the belt in my mind, I could see the leather strap. I could see the buckle and I could actually hear it coming off. And it worked. It worked because I I stopped in my tracks, but I spent the rest of fear. I spent the rest of my life dealing with the um, the effects of all of that. So, you know, I'm giving you an extreme example. Let's call my example, just for the sake of this discussion, a, a level 10. And let's right. call popping on the butt occasionally when, you know, you're in a crowded setting and you just don't have time to have these conversations with the mm-hmm. kid and you pop the kid on the butt, which is likely going to just embarrass them more than anything else. So right. all the, and, and then there's all scales in between that, right? Right. So, What's your take on spanking in general? It doesn't have any value. Should it be done or should it immediately, uh, everybody should immediately stop it? Everybody should immediately stop it and it has no value. So all the strategies that I suggest, the outcome cannot be fear, shame, and embarrassment. Okay, so right there. So any strategy that you have, whether you're a teacher, a parent, a grandparent, it cannot be fear, shame, or embarrassment, right? right. Okay. Right. So, so there's no fear, shame, and embarrassment. So if the strategy does not work, that this is why we don't pick ones that have fear, shame, and embarrassment, because if they don't work, what will happen? There's right. emotional wellness is an upset. It's like, oh, that one didn't work for that kid. That's actually not one that fits in your toolbox, buddy. And we thought it was going to fit in your toolbox and make you to be the best you could be, but it's not working. So we're just going to scrap that one and do another one. You can't scrap spanking because yeah, yeah. the kid doesn't forget all the things that have happened because of the spanking. That if it was, say, um, right, we'll use the one we used already, that um, you draw Sophia tomorrow on a piece of paper and you teach her the emotions and she's just not getting really moving towards that picture. She, it's not, the visual's not really working for her. So you're like, you know what? We tried that. It didn't work. Is she still an emotionally well kid? Yeah. yeah. Because you tried it and it just didn't fit in her toolbox. It does, but if you spank her and it's not working, there's all the things that have happened, right? All the additional emotional stuff, all the, so there's four needs um, that, um, are on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So mm-hmm. there's four of them. First one is physiological, which is eating, sleeping, going to the bathroom. Sex is in that one too. So when you have uh, teenagers, that's uh, uh, you go back there. Then emotional and physical safety. That's why you don't use any strategies in fear because you mess up number two. 
And you can't, you can't mess up the second tier, right? Because then the next one is love and belonging. So I need a place to belong and I need relationships that empower me. And then the fourth one is self-esteem. So if all the three tiers are good, the fourth one is what? Self-esteem. So you have good self-esteem. And then you come out of your authentic needs. All humans have those four needs. The authentic, when you come out of authentic needs, it's need to know and understand. So now I can figure out reading and the alphabet and math and colors and numbers and science and because I've got the first four met. We were not given a training manual when this kid popped out. We have no freaking idea what we're doing, right? (laughs) Nobody does. Nobody does. There's no YouTube video other than yours that's, (laughs) you know, going to help us with this. And, you know, I was just at an event in Cabo last week um, with with a whole group of entrepreneurs. And we, you know, we're having cocktails and one of the, one of the guys is thinking about having a kid. And he asked me and somebody else who both have a, a five and a six-year-old uh, daughter. And, you know, should, should you have a kid? And I was like, it's really, really hard. And he's like, why? And I think my friend Matthew said it better than anything else. And this may be a guy, a guy thing. I don't know, but hopefully you'll be able to answer this question when I give it to you. Okay. He said, as a parent, it's the target is always moving this is always in flux. It's always changing. And I always feel like I'm failing. He said, I've been able to make, I've been able to create a $400 million company and I know what I'm doing. And, you know, sometimes there are these things that get thrown at me, but I can pivot. I can figure it out. Every year with this child, it's so different than it was the year before. And the moment I think I got it down, it's like the matrix. It's like, (laughs) it goes completely in the opposite direction. He said, I've never had anything in my life where I just feel like I cannot wrap my hands around and figure out how to do this. And I was like, dude, you have one kid that's a five or six year old. I have two. I, I went all, my other one is 22 now. So I've been all the way through it. And I can tell you that you're playing the matrix until you're 22. So- the question, and a different I, matrix now than Sophia's five. It's a whole. It's a new. It's a new matrix. It's, it's a new matrix, and it's a new kid. So they're they're different. Right, right. But but here's here's the question. The other night before Sophia goes to bed, uh, Kim says, "Give Daddy a kiss goodnight," and she says, "I don't want to kiss him." And she said, "Why?" She said, "Because his beard, his beard was his beard is." Uh, she calls my mane pointy, which I think is adorable. Uh, and, uh, super yeah. So she said it's pointy. And then she said, well, just blow him a kiss. She said, I don't want to blow him a kiss. And then she goes downstairs with her and she's like, well, if his mane is pointy, you could blow him a kiss, but why aren't you? And she said, well, he doesn't like to play with me. And that led into a whole conversation about love languages and what her way of expressing love is and her way of expressing love. Her love language is quality time. Mm-hmm. And So immediately when I saw that that was an issue, rather than getting defensive and say, that's not true, I do play with you. Let me just say this real quick, because I took her downstairs to put her to sleep. And I said, can I ask you a question? Why didn't you want to give daddy a kiss? Because if the mane is pointy, then you could blow him a kiss. And she said what he said. And I said, okay, so you're sad that daddy isn't playing with you and giving you enough time. And she said, yeah. 
I said, okay, do you want to walk upstairs and tell him? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, one, how beautiful is it that she feels safe to be able to communicate that? And two, we came up and she said, can you tell him? So it's like, you know, knocking it off on me a little, but I explained it and Rob was amazing, didn't get defensive. And he said, what time tomorrow do you want to play? And what would you like to play? And he did. And he said, I'm going to commit every single day to giving her my attention. Because it's very easy, especially when I do the brunt of the Sophia work for him to, you know, be on his schedule and to not stop. So so here's the question with that in, in context. I want to do a great job as a parent. There is no manual. We're living in the matrix that's dynamic. It's in flux. It's always, it's always changing. It was, if I'm being completely candid with you, I had, a, we, we played dolls yesterday and then we live on a, we live in California and there's a, there's a, uh, uh, park. A, a park on the corner. And then we put her dolls in the swing and we played, you know, we swung the dolls in the swing. It was, really challenging for me to go from work mode where I have a thousand things that are on my mind of what I want to do to playing with dolls with a six-year-old because my, my brain is just going, right? It's everywhere. And I'm thinking and thinking and thinking, and she wants my presence. She wants me to go into fantasy lands with this doll with her. So I'm sorry. I have a hard time with fantasy land too, Rob. You do. Do you really? Because, because like, you know, she'll say to me like, okay, who do you want to be? Do you want to be Elsa or do you want to be? And I'm like, uh, I want to be sleeping dad is who I want to be. I want to be sleeping dad. Right. But I, but I know that I I want to do a great job. So, you know, this is a very long question, but the, the essence of the question is for the dads and moms that want to do a great job and are being pulled, particularly with the pandemic right now, in a thousand different directions of stress and emotion and everything else. But you know what your kid wants. Your kid wants your time. They want you to play with them. But it isn't easy to do. Is there any advice that you have to sort of like come up with something that you would both like to do together. Like, for example, she'll like to watch Captain Underpants. I can't sit for five minutes and listen to it without feeling like I want to jump off a building. It is painful to listen to. Like, it hurts my nervous system. Do you know what I mean? It's so like, how do you guys It's like a screaming that? kid. Like, should he just do what she wants to do or should they come up with something together? I think is the question. Oh, That's the question. So the thing is, is that, Rob, you're probably very task-oriented. I'm I also am. very task-oriented, but I'm also very playful. I've had to change the playfulness of, like, Brennan wanting to do... Mommy, I want to play Legos. I feel the same way about Legos as you do about dolls. Like, okay. ugh. So I've had to make it a task for me. Not, It's not outside my task now. It is, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And so, like, if I was to do a to-do list of... This time I'm going to do this. This time I'm going to do this. This time I'm going to play Legos with Brennan. And I'm going to try to be fully present. Now I have to be honest about how hard that is. Well, what I did was I put... Sophia play. I put Sophia play um, right on my my to-do today. So that was the right thing to do. So to be honest about what? So now be honest about how hard that is for you. So when I come downstairs, when it's like, when my husband gets home and it's dinner time and I'm thinking, oh... I have like five more emails and I come down and I'm like, 
just letting everybody know I had five more emails and I'm going to be thinking about that. So if I am short with anybody, it's just because I'm still in task mode and I'm going to need 10 minutes. So does she know that it's hard to play dolls? In, in like a nice sensitive way of being like, when daddy does these things, this is my comfort zone. Dolls isn't. So I'm still figuring out how to play. Just like dolls is her comfort zone and sitting and doing work probably is not her favorite because it's, I mean, most like, girls like pick that. dolls over doing work. That's actually really helpful. That's really so, helpful. Yeah, so making sure that you're honest about it because like you right now, Rob, you're in charge of playing dolls, right? You're here, you're way on the left-hand side. Being really good at playing dolls and incorporating it into your day and in your brain is way on the right. You want her to know that you're working on getting all the way to the right, but you're really far left and it's going to be challenging. And then at the end of the play, what was your favorite part? Right? Ask what your favorite part was. What part did you love best that daddy did? Where do you think daddy can grow? You have to be a really, really, really good human in touch with yourself (laughs) to take that piece. But I feel like you've, right, if, if you did not react when she came up and said, you're not playing with me, and you weren't like, but I love you anyway. Right. No, if didn't. you can react that way, you've got that piece down. Yeah, I have yeah. I have self-awareness enough to know that like I can fight all day long, but she's still gonna feel that way. So what the hell's the point? But what she did say to me yesterday in the park, when I finally started getting into it, she said, I hope we can do this every day for the rest of my life, forever and ever and ever. So I know that it worked. It worked yeah. <laughs> fake it till you make it. That's how we started this, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. So what what do you do with the kid like all i so when she was saying that rob wasn't playing with her enough i said okay i want to talk to you about love languages and she was like okay i said so there's five love languages and i went through them and i described them and then when i got to quality time she was like that one that one that one that one and i said okay so daddy's not doing so well on that one right now with you where, what am I doing? Because I feel like I spend my entire day with her. <laughs> and so she's like, well, you do better, but when we're playing, you look at your phone all the time. Oh, I got called on that the other day. I know. And so there are times though where like, she'll say, let's go watch something. And so I forewarn her and I'm like, I have a couple of things I need to get done. I'm going to get them done while we're together snuggling on the couch And she's like, okay. But then she hits a point where she's like, no phone. And she will literally rip it out of my hand Mm -hmm. and put it... Because my business is basically from my phone. Because quality time is her priority. Because quality time is her priority. But I also have to get work done. I can't be her playmate 12 hours a day. So how do you handle that now with... you know, We're in California, so our kids are still home all the time. A lot of other families I know are doing hybrid. So how do you deal with this is work time, this is school time, and like the the tantrums and the arguments that are all around everybody needing their individual time. I was going to say to connect, like we need time as a family, but we also need time to work. We need mm-hmm. time to do school. We need time to do all of these things. And that's very complicated right now for so many people. It's like, how do you spend 24 hours in a day together? Like, let's say we go back on lockdown we're all in the house together again, but how do you do it? And it's not like with the expectation that there's, I'm a playmate all day and all night. Do you know what I mean? 
Yes. So does she, so because she's young and I think because a lot of kids, I mean, none of us are good at this, right? None of us have done this before. How do we, right? So when I work, my son, right, when it was March and I had to work on the computer, he would just be on his iPad, which killed me. Yeah. And he didn't know, he was like, so mommy, how much work do you have to do today? And when you're playing with me and you look at your phone, so there has to be clear cut. So your class is this time. Mommy's going to play with you this time. And then we have to be really good at the, the, when, when we say quality time, she means with you undivided attention, no brothers and sisters, no, uh, I'll play with you and be in the kitchen with you, but I'm going to do the dishes, no phone. Quality time is a removal of all of those excesses and it's just you and her. So you have to be honest with yourself. I can do it for 20 minutes right now. And I'm going to, maybe tomorrow I can build on the 20 minutes, but right now it's 20 minutes. Got it. Okay. Because I have to do these things. So when my son called me the other day on the phone, called me on holding my phone all the time. And I was like, yeah. well, bud, when you're home, right? Like he's home now because on Wednesdays they get out at 1245. I was like, my work day doesn't end at 1245, buddy. Yeah. I, I work till, mommy works till after I put you to bed, I still work till like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. So when, and, and I'm task oriented. So when I see my phone and I see like someone emailed me, it's like so hard not to check it, but that's not his problem. That's my problem. So I have to be really good at figuring out how to save that to I have to hide my phone so I don't look at it. So what sort of things do we have to do for ourselves? So our kids know that if I'm playing with you, I'm playing with you. There's no phone, there's no things. And sometimes when you need your own space, you have to go to your own room. So like yeah. if you need call, like alone time, you have to go to your bedroom. Or uh, I think a lot of moms go to the, ba- they go to the, the bathroom, bathroom. diarrhea a lot because <laughs> we, right, that's where, and then we're just like sitting in the tub without water. Yeah. With our vodka, like, Wah! Yeah, right. With a home, glass right? of wine. Yeah, <laughs> just yes, exactly. needing 10 so, minutes of silence. So I think that we think of all these things, but we don't necessarily tell the kids that that this is hard for us, that we're really working on it. We see that you need more of it. Mommy's really going to try or daddy's really going to try because we do all that. Or we talk to our significant other about it. I talk to Andy about it all the time. And I was like, you know what? I tell you a lot of stuff. I don't tell B a lot of stuff. Yeah. So be more open and communicative with them on our struggle with all of this. So, and then they'll share their struggles with you just because yeah. it's human nature to do that. So how do you do, I ha, I'm looking at these questions that are all, they're kind of in a similar theme. It's kind of like, how do you handle the meltdowns when they, when they don't get what they want, whether it's the time or the thing or the instant? So we talked about instant gratification, mm-hmm. like, when they don't get that instant gratification, how do you handle that meltdown or that tantrum or sassiness? Do you ignore it? Do you, what do you do? So um, I never say ignore it. I always say sometimes you have to pay less attention to it. If you have kids that are like melting down on the floor, you're not going to ignore it and walk away from them because they're in their emotional brain. They need someone when they come out of their emotional brain to be logical with them and process so it can get better next time. Some kids who are quality time don't want you to leave anyway. They want you to stay there. 
if they're hurting, we want to stand three to five feet away, right? So we don't get hurt. But we want to stay there with them and we want to help them figure out the emotions. But that's not in the moment when they're having the meltdown. There's no, there's nothing you can do. So you just let we them. We are have you let to be them. proactive. Yeah, it's like it's like trying to tell somebody to stop throwing up when they're throwing up. They're they're just going to yes. do it until it's over. So well, you what, let them do it. You're really mad. You've both probably been angry recently. I think everybody's been angry recently. Mm-hmm. And what happens, Rob, if you're angry and I say, Rob, calm down? You're throwing logic at emotion and it doesn't do anything. Yeah, right. Calm down. Like, oh, I didn't think of that already. I can't calm down. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not able to right now. Like, duh. so so that's what it's like when we start to oh, you seem so mad. How do you feel right now? As they're still mad. We also then look at their bodies and we're like, oh, their bodies are calm. Let's process. But their brain is not calm. So they shoot right back up to high emotion again. So it is a big, long process. And we know adults that, right? Do we still see adults that freak out? Yeah. That have meltdowns, right? They haven't learned the skill yet either. How do we expect a three-year-old to know? Right. So yeah. they melt. So they melt down. They're kicking on the floor. They're doing the tantrum. You're there. You're not leaving, but you're not engaging in it, right? So you're still mm-hmm. kind of there. Do you just wait till it stops and then you sit down? And what's the conversation look like post meltdown <laughs> to try so, to process? Yeah. So we're not setting them up for anything. A lot of people are trying to set them up for answering questions in the way that the adults want them to answer it. Say, so I do a lot of open-ended questions. Whoa, buddy, that looked like it made you really mad. I'm wondering what you were thinking. And then, and now, remember, you can't make kids talk. So we will say that. And then we're like, so what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Tell me what you're thinking. I want this to be better. What are you thinking? Sometimes you just have to leave it there. Buddy, that was hard. It's hard for me and you. I know what I was thinking. I wonder what you were thinking. Hmm. It's really good. When you want to tell me, I am so happy to listen. If you want me to go first, I'll tell you what I was thinking. And then if the kids don't answer, it's okay. Because they heard you. It's in their brains. And you're a little bit closer. We Mm. sometimes lose that and make kids talk. When we can't. So then we set them up for next time you do this, you're just going to take a deep breath, right? And what is the kid going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Because they're in the processing mode, right? So, okay. Because I'm not mad anymore. I'm logical. That sounds great. I'm totally going to take a deep breath. So once they do the meltdown, they come out of it. You do the open-ended question. I'd love to know what you were thinking. I wonder what you were thinking during that. That looked really, Mm -hmm. you know angry or whatever, they eventually maybe share that with you. Is that where you, from that moment, try to figure out if there's a lack of skill or an unmet need? Yeah. So their lack of skill is that when I get mad, I'm external. I don't know how to make the emotion come out of my body in an appropriate way. That's not would And how would you teach that? Like we talked about with the hands, the feet, like, yeah, so so what does the tantrum look like? Sometimes a tantrum is because I'm so mad, it just feels good. Mm-hmm. So we're going to teach you what else makes you feel good when you're mad. Just, so if you're tantruming and you're hurting others, what's better than that? Screaming. I taught a boy when I taught kindergarten to uh, yell my name. He would go, Meg! Meg! <laughs> <laughs> and I would run to him. 
because I knew that he needed me, but he used to knock kids down. So that's better. So okay. what's better than what you cur- are currently seeing right now? So it might not, you're not taking it to perfect. You're not fixing no. it. You're just getting no. a little bit better. What can we a move that's bit. a little bit better? So, and that's not your end strategy, right? Yelling is not your end strategy, but right. it's going to get you to the end strategy. So I have a lot of friends that have like two boys and, and the two boys go at each other and pick on each other. And there's an attention grab always. Like, how do you as a parent, do you have to set apart quality time with each of them? And then what works for one isn't going to work with the other. And that's where these like ticket jars and all of this other crap comes in, right? Yes. So, so what are alternatives when they're fighting and losing it and doing things they shouldn't be? What are alternatives to timeouts or negative punishments? Like, is there, is there any punishment that you give? Like when Sophia is really, really just rude to me, I will ask her to go to her room and to, to calm down, think about it and come back when she's like changed her state because I don't actually know what else to do. So like when- That's so- not a punishment as much as it's uh, a take a break. So taking a break is okay, but a timeout in the corner, sitting in a chair, facing a wall, like that's not really what we're looking for. Right. Like, so we so- want natural and logical consequences. Okay. So a natural consequence is when- you don't eat dinner. What's the natural consequence? You're hungry. Yeah. If you don't wear a coat outside and it is 30 degrees, what's going oh, not in California, but here in New Hampshire, when you don't wear a coat outside and it's 30 degrees, what's the natural consequence? Yeah. You're, yeah, you're cold. cold. If okay. you run across the street, uh, the natural consequence is that you get hit by a car. So when the physical or emotional wellness is at stake, we change it to logical consequences. They need to be related, respectful, and reasonable. Okay. So this is going to help so many people because I know that I did this part of your, your stuff and I still, even now I'm like, I, I, I can't do it. So it's kind of like, here's what's not a natural consequence. Sophia screams at me. I take away the iPad, not a natural consequence. No, no, not a lo- Well, right. It's not a logical consequence either. No. If Sophia screams at you and she's quality time, here's the logical consequence. You scream at me, mummy feels, now you have frustrated, sad, mad mummy and frustrated, sad, mad mummy doesn't want to play with you because I'm mad. Yeah. Because in real life, if Rob yelled at you and then he said, hey, you want to go uh, for to a, on, a, on a date tonight? Are you going to say yes? No. 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 You're going to okay. be like, and no to you. So, so they need to be related, respectful, and... Reasonable. Reasonable. So if okay. she yells at you, it can't be like, right, um are mad at her or you show that you're mad at her for like three days. Remember yeah. three days ago when you yelled at me in the kitchen? Like that, that can't be a thing. Okay. <laughs> so two kids screaming at each other, fighting all the time, nonstop, mm. that kind of thing. What would the natural consequences, like how would you have consequences with that? Because right now I listen to them and they're like, you know, scream at them, go to your room, you go to your room and separate them and that's it. But what, what is the way to, to have a consequence for behavior for two different kids like that that are fighting with each other? So you have to know who your kids are. So first of all, you need to have a fair versus equal conversation. 
What works for one kid is not going to work for the other. So if I tell you to go to your room, because I know that works for you, but I don't tell him to go to his room, it's because it doesn't work for him, right? I I, uh, hung out with a family whose two kids, one wanted to be with you because she was quality time. So if you sent her to her room, she was pissed. She was so mad. If you sent the boy to his room, he was like, yes, I didn't want to be with you guys anyway. So you have to parent the kids according to temperament. And then if the kids fight and hit, what part in the house, how is that allowed? Right? So again, go back to yourself. Like how, if they're yelling at each other and hitting each other, is hitting allowed in the house? No. So we need to sit down. We have to talk about if the kids are old enough, you're going to sit and have a family, hopefully at dinner. Okay. These are the rules. When now you're going to have the kids make up their own consequences. They usually make worse ones for themselves than you do for them. And you're going to say, okay, so when you hit each other, mommy is really tired of this. You got to be honest. It's really tiring. And it, I know I have to do something differently and you guys have to do something differently. And I don't know what it is, but we are going to talk about it right now. And again, you want it a little bit. So the kids are like, when we hit each other, then what? Well, I can't take you places when you're hitting each other and fighting because that's embarrassing for everybody. And that's not how you act in public. So if we continue to do this, know that I'm going to not want to do those things. And you want to, right? Well, Corona right now, but I mean, in regular life. Yeah. But if they're fighting, what are they fighting about? What is it about each kid, their temperament? So if you have two kids that are external, that's really tough. Ah, really hard. It's just, you have to start way back at the beginning. I'm looking, I'm listening to this and I'm like, basically you just have to call Meg and and do a consultation because there it's so like, it all comes back. I mean, I'm definitely seeing the, the common theme. It's like, what's the behavior? Is -hmm. it an unmet need? Is it a lack of skill? But at the same time, they need a consequence. Consequence needs to be a natural consequence or Mm -hmm. logical, needs to be related, respectful, and reasonable. Like there are so many parts of this. Okay. And that's the thing I get the most questions on is consequences. Yeah. Because parents just want to nip it in the butt. Take things away. It's usually technology. Yeah. And that doesn't work because the kids are like, whatever. Yeah, they're like, whatever. Okay, real quick. I saw you post on the other day because I know you have to go. I know you have a hard out. I saw a post you did the other day that I loved. And real quick on any teachers listening to this or parents that can advocate for their kid on behavior systems and clip charts and all of that. Meg did a post and it said... Hanging behavior management systems on a classroom wall or door is like hanging the teacher evaluations in the hallway. Teachers would say, no way, you're not doing that. Wish we had asked the kids the same question. Ooh, you kicked them right in the teeth. Wow, that was good. I did. I thought I was sassy. Remember, that's how we started. Yeah. (laughs) Our local school, I mean, we're debating homeschooling because I have walked the halls of our local school and I have seen clip charts on the doors for the parents or whoever to see. And it just, I don't remember that. Meg, what year did this shift? Because when we were in school together, I don't recall clip charts. I mean, maybe like some sort of thing where you got a star every day in like the early years, but these like 
clip yeah, charts. I don't remember what's happening to me. It's I don't like know when it shifted. But what? what's the what's the biggest problem with that? If you can just wrap it in a bow for us, for parents that can advocate or teachers listening can make a different decision. So remember, all strategies can't end in shame, guilt, and embarrassment. If you ask, so I've taught thousands of teachers. I have asked almost in every workshop I've done, if you came in and I had this behavior chart, ready to learn, good, great, outstanding, warning, teacher consequence, parent contact. If I had that and you were here and I gave you a clip and you wrote on the clip and I put it on here and then I started to tell you to move up and down your clip, how many people want to play? Out of thousands, and I'm not kidding or exaggerating, I've had maybe 10 people say they'll play. This is how they say it though. Oh, I'll play. Yeah. Right? Sassy, like I'm going to hijack your class time with this. And then other people are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to play. They're like, I am anxious just thinking that you might do that. And I was like, first of all, I would never do that. But adults say no to it. Yeah. Would you want to go and the principal has one out outside about if you were late or not late, if you stayed late, if you did, if you got the appropriate score for standardized testing in your classroom? Do you want that clip outside his office? No. How is the best way to communicate with a school that maybe the strategy is not the best? So I always have, I mean, I have a, um, if people find me, I have a, a Google Docs that has like 75 articles that shows. So we want research that shows it doesn't, it does work and it keeps a child's emotional wellness intact. There's not research that shows that. The research we see is that it doesn't work and it hurts emotional wellness. So I give those, and then I give the language around the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and that we're messing up tier two. And if we mess up tier two, they're not getting to need to know and understand. They're not being curious as a human about learning because they're stuck in, I feel gross about myself. Okay, so to kind of recap, the core needs, physiological, emotional, love and belonging, self-esteem, once those are met, then they are a healthy, happy, moving child that can now begin to learn and function and operate in all of the ways that one would want to operate, correct? Right. And, and school goes from physiological yeah. to eating, sleeping, going to the bathroom yeah. to skips the next three and goes right to need to know and understand. So... You get the physiological in school, but you, you're missing the rest of it. So we have to yeah, yeah. do this at home. So we have that. Don't use uh, strategies that are fear, shame, embarrassment to yeah. protect the emotional wellness because the emotional part is one of the hierarchy of needs, right? The emotional yeah. component of that. And yeah, mess with that. It could, and it could mess up. For, you could be responsible for messing it up for the kid's whole life. Isn't that crazy? So awful. I would hate to be that person. If you had to give parents right now that are overwhelmed, overworked, overstressed, overstimulated, a piece of advice in dealing with children that are probably mirroring their their action and their emotion, what would it be? Start with yourself and self-care for sure. Almost every strategy starts with ourselves. 
And Rob, I think, has been a very good uh, role model for that because he's the stuff he's talked about today. He could be a very different man because of the things, hard things that have happened to him. And he's a very different man because he's done that self-awareness piece, self-reflection piece. And it's really hard for adults, especially in Corona, to do any of that. And they just want this fixed. So know that it's time and patience, but it has to start with us. And people are like, but I'm so stressed, I can't. Okay, so now figure out how do we take care of ourselves? Because if we can't do that, I don't know how any of the kids are going to function if the adults in their lives are... I love it. Uh, Meg, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Do you have any uh, final um, suggestions, questions, or an ask for people that are listening? Um, No, I guess find me if you have. Like Tim said, it's a lot of... There's no instruction manual, and I try to help. But I mean, even in this half hour, I feel like people are like, oh, okay, so I have to start here. But when we read a lot of books or do a lot of these systems, it doesn't guide you that way, right? I'm trying to take people off that path and go a different way. We will link, uh, you can find her at megthompson.com. And we will also link to your YouTube, your Instagram, and uh, they can even get your children's books. Which oh, we- yeah. Second one's being printed right now. Oh, my gosh. This is and awesome. And it has the word poop in it. It's going to be every kid's favorite book. It, it will definitely be Sophia's favorite book right now. They love poop. I don't know why they love poop, but they know. love poop. They do um, love poop. I've got a squirrel. I got a squirrel that's coming after. Oh, my God. My nuts right now. <laughs> I got to go. Oh, the squirrel is... Meg? A squirrel showed up just for you. <gasps> is it really? <laughs> oh, yeah. A real life. He's outside scaring it away right now. Yes. He, Meg showed up a real life squirrel. Oh, now he's, now he's going after Rob. He ain't scared. Hey, Rob, be gentle. It's an animal. <laughs> hey, don't oh my my <laughs> Meg, this couldn't end on any better note for you than the squirrels. I can't even, but thank you so much for doing this. Look, he just went again. Everything you said, he used fear. Embar- she didn't he say embarrassed I could, she himself. She didn't say I couldn't do it. For, <laughs> couldn't do it with a squirrel. Squirrels just, are her jam. He was just going up in the bird feeder, trying to get the bird feeder. And I went out there and I went, hey. And he looked at me like, <sighs> like that. I was like, oh, no, you don't. Meg, oh, said, no, I can't. You don't. Meg said I can't no, hit, but, listen, but I will take this broomstick. But listen, Rob did close the patio door now because he's scared it's going to come in here. So there is that. <laughs> there is that. Well, Meg, thank you Meg, so thanks much. Thanks for everything. We are going to link you up uh, so people can find you. And uh, that is it, my dear. Thank that you. is it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Meg. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.